hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. I'm, I'm almost positive what I'm going to share today is going to surprise a lot of y'all. I need your minds today. I need your minds today. Amen. If the Lord allows, I may deal with a number of verses in Psalm 122. But I think, I tell you what, let's, let's, let's read responsively the whole 122nd Psalm. We haven't done responsive reading in a while. Let's read responsibly Psalm 122. It's only nine verses. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. New King James. And um, we're going to look at a number of scriptures today. And I pray that God truly has his way with this, with this moment. I'll start with verse 1. If you read the even-numbered verses, we'll read verse 9 together in unison. Uh, whatever version. All right, they got the New King James on the screen. Uh, let's, let's read this. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. For thrones are set there for judgment the thrones of the house of David. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. Together, because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good, amen. Amen. I'm not going to finish and I'm not going to share everything there is to this psalm today. So um, I'd encourage you to meet me for Emana this coming Wednesday, Bible study, 7 o'clock p.m. virtually. And uh, if the Lord says the same, we'll come back to this next Sunday morning. Um, I want to raise the question, are you ready to worship? Are you ready to worship? Are you ready to worship? This psalm is attributed to David. It is a psalm of ascent. A psalm of ascent. A-S-C-E-N-T. Ascent. It's, it's a psalm that would be sung by the multitude of God's people as they ascended, ascended or climbed, made their way up to Jerusalem while they were climbing uh, that hill to go to that elevated place Jerusalem, as it sits on a hill, there are certain songs they would sing, and this is one of them. This is one of them. It is attributed to David. It is attributed to David, which, which poses some challenges, poses some challenges. Um, one of the challenges that it poses is, what exactly did David mean in this psalm when, he re when, when the psalmist referred to the house of the Lord? 
the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord, some assume may have referred to the temple, the temple, which had not yet been built in David's lifetime. Some believe perhaps then maybe it referred to the tabernacle, the tabernacle. Regardless, it refers to a particular place within the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of God, uh, believed by the, the Jews in the, in, in the Old Testament times to be the place where God dwelt. It's the place of his presence, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So when, when, when the saints of old were going to Jerusalem, they believed they were going to where God was. They were going to where God was. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go up as we're climbing this mountain to go to Jerusalem. This is one of the songs uh, they would sing as they, as they would go to a higher elevation towards the presence of God. David says, David says, going to this place, going to this place in Jerusalem, I'm so excited about being there that the mere invitation to go to that place makes me glad. Another way to read Psalm, Psalm 122 verse 1 is, I was made glad when they invited me to go to the house of the Lord. It made me glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. It made me glad when they, when they invited me to go to where God dwells. It made me glad. It made me glad. The question I wrestle with, one of the questions, why does that make you glad? Whoever wrote the song, whether it was David or whomever, why does the mere mention of going to the house of the Lord, the place where God dwells, why does that make you glad? Just the mere mention of it. Because there are some people, bringing this to a New Testament context for a moment, there are some people when they're invited to church, not necessarily made glad. Come with me to church. I'd be glad to. Maybe a typical response. Or sometimes, I'd be glad to go if I didn't have to work. I'd be glad to go, but my, my grandchild going to be, I'm going to have my grandchild the weekend. I'd be glad to go, but, or there are some who would say, when you look, come to church with me, what church do you want me to go to? I want you to come with me to Applejack Ministries. They wouldn't, they probably would not say, I'd be glad to. Some people respond by, I ain't going to no Applejack now. I, ain't go, I heard about them over there. I ain't going to that church. I don't mind going to church, but I ain't going to that one. Some people may have some sense of resentment toward church or church or certain churches where they'd be reluctant to go. 
Some people, some people, uh, I'm intrigued by David's res- or David or whomever wrote the psalm. Uh, I was glad when they just, they just me- we ain't even there yet. They just mentioned it to me and it made me glad. There are some people who are, who are concerned about going to church. Come to church with me. Mm-mm, not while COVID, not, no, no, COVID, man, I ain't. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about going to the house of God because of COVID. But COVID ain't keeping you from going to old time country buffet. COVID ain't keeping you from going to see Wakanda forever in a jam packed movie theater. Come to church with me. Mm-mm. I don't know about that. Why not? COVID. You were just at Wakanda. I saw your post. I saw the video. You, I mean, not only did you go see, the, you sat for three hours. Not even counting the previews and the credits at the end. So some people may have concerns. Some people, some people, when, you, when they're invited, come to church with me, they may say, no, I'm still trying to get past church hurt. Their response is not like what we hear in Psalm 122 and 1. They're, they're too hurt to go to anybody's church. They've been so wounded. They've been misused. They've been abused. They've maybe gotten into it with one person, two people, maybe a group. And so they ain't going to church at all because of church hurt. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said, just, just, just the mere mention, the invitation made me glad. If we were to interview this psalmist and ask them, why does going to the house of the Lord or the mere mention of going to the house of the Lord make you glad? I wonder if their response would be because I only have to go three times a year. Why are you so glad to go to the house of the Lord? Because I only have to go three times a year. Then, of course, being a, a, a New Testament follower of Jesus in 2022, I'd want, oh, you must be, you must be one of them CME, CME Christians. You only worship on Christmas, Mother's Day, and eat. Y'all know some of them kind of folks. Y'all know some CME. Not Christian Methodist Episcopal. I'm talking about Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. That's the only time they're going to church. Why are you so glad to go to the house of the Lord? Is it because you only have to go three times a year? They would only go for three, three festivals, three feasts. They didn't have to go to Jerusalem every week. Are y'all with me? They didn't have to go to Jerusalem every week. It wasn't practical. It wasn't practical for the people of God to worship in the house of the Lord on a weekly basis. As a matter of fact, put your seatbelt on, take a deep breath, because here it comes. There is no biblical mandate for the people of God to gather together for sacred assembly on a weekly basis. There's no scripture you can point to that where we are mandated in the word of God to assemble once a week. Why are you glad 
to go to the house of the Lord? Is it because you only have to go three times a year? Why, why, are, you, why are you glad? That some people don't mind coming to church three times a year. So are we, are we mandated? How, how often are we supposed to go to the house of the Lord? How often are we supposed to go to church according to the scriptures? There's no scripture, Old or New Testament, that mandates that the people of God assemble on a weekly basis. So you may say, well, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's a very good scripture to mention. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Do you know, do you know how, uh, or, or the context or what's, what's meant behind honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy? Uh, what God intended when he, com when he commanded, when he commanded that we honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, the scriptures give the impression that God's biggest concern is that you have a day of rest. That resting is his concern. Six days you work, you rest one day. Um, let me see if I remember this scripture. I have some notes, but um, uh, let me see if we can. Okay. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to get my notes. This, um, and for those of you who are going to, those of you who are going to, um, yeah, I'm gonna need my notes. Those of you who want to have a conversation about this, I'm wide open to it. And I'm going somewhere with this. So, uh, those of you who are in the sanctuary and those of you who are streaming, don't leave just yet. You ever see those little video clips and they say, wait till the end? Wait till the end. Wait till the end. I want you to turn to Leviticus 23 and 3. Leviticus 23 and three why was this psalmist glad when they mentioned going to the house of the lord why would they be glad to go to the house of the lord why should any of us why should any of us be glad to go to church why should we go to church there's no biblical mandate that we go to church once a week even in honoring the sabbath and keeping it holy is not a mandate to participate in a weekly sacred assembly uh, Leviticus 23 and 3. Do you have that? Some people who aren't going to pay attention to everything I say today are going are gonna to walk around saying, Pastor Glass, say you ain't got to come to church. Yeah, some people can get that impression. Wait to the end. Leviticus 23 and 3. Are you there? Uh... Let me get there. I'm in Numbers 23 and 3. Lord have mercy. Leviticus 23 and 3. All right. Well, it's on the screen. Um, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Some translations may say a holy assembly. 
a holy convocation. In other words, a sacred day. It's, it is a sacred day. One thing that I've, that I've learned in, in studying this is there were many societies in that day and time that did not have a calendar set up by weeks. There was no seven-day week system in many calendars, in many societies. The Jews had a seven-day-per-week system in how they, how they kept up with time. And just as God rested on the seventh day, he commanded that his covenant people, his chosen people, would rest on the seventh day. And I've been intrigued by why would God command why would he command this isn't something in proverbs where it's wise to take a day off and rest we are commanded to have a day of rest six days shall work be done but the seventh day is a sabbath of solemn rest a holy convocation you shall do no work on it it is the sabbath of the lord here it is watch this in all your dwellings. Y'all see that? In all your dwellings. I made it past third grade. I think I read pretty decently. In all your dwellings. What does that mean? Does that mean in whatever village you live in, regardless of how far away it is from Jerusalem or Bethel or whatever the, uh, the, the, the place of God was in that day and time? Or does it literally mean at home you shall do no work in it. it is the sabbath of the lord at home wait a minute is the preacher telling me i can honor god by resting at home no the preacher is challenging you to understand the scriptures is does the worry tell us that we are to honor God by having at least a day of rest. And in that, we give him glory and honor his, honor his heart's intention regarding his covenant with us, with his chosen, his chosen folk. Somebody say, wait to the end. So back to Psalm 122. Now, before we go to Psalm 122, we've been dealing with this for three weeks, but let me come back at it just in case some of y'all didn't get the memo. Go to Hebrews 10, 25. Hebrews 10, 25. But the Bible say, Hebrews 10, 25. Now, we've been looking at this for three weeks. Some of y'all didn't get the memo. Hebrews 10, 25. When you have it, let me hear you say Amen. Uh, verse 24, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, Pastor Lord, that's why, that's where, right there it says, yeah, right there it says what? It says, it says, it says, don't stop assembling altogether. Don't quit coming to the assembly because some folks are quitting but we're not given in this in this verse how frequently we are to assemble are y'all with me 
There's no scripture that I'm aware of that mandates that we have sacred assemblies on a weekly basis. And then let's suppose you invite someone to church. Come, come to church with me. I'd be glad to. What day do y'all worship? Worship on Sunday. Well, you do know there are some congregations that do not work, that will not worship on Sunday because they're Sabbath-keeping congregations and literally believe that they should assemble on the Sabbath day, which is what? Saturday. And you let some of them tell it, we going to hell because we worship on Sunday. And the Bible say, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. When God commanded that we honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, uh, there's, there's nothing I'm aware of in Scripture where we are mandated to participate in weekly sacred assemblies. So back to Psalm 122. Back to Psalm 122. Back to Psalm 122. And I'm going to give you all just a little bit today. Let y'all, let y'all talk and fuss. And um, all of you who want to have a conversation with me, I'm wide open to it. Wide open. But Pastor Clark, you said, the first thing I want to hear out of your mouth is where in the Bible are the people of God mandated by God to assemble on a weekly basis? That's the first thing I want to hear. Show me the Bible. Show me in the Bible where the people of God are mandated to assemble on a weekly basis for a worship service. In the book of Acts, they gathered every day. Acts chapter 2, in the infancy of the church, they gathered every day. I'm not even going to ask who wants to meet me here tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. And Thursday, Friday. And from now on, every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday. Every Wednesday, every Thursday. They gathered every day. And we'll, maybe at some point we'll look at that passage of Scripture because you, then you have to ask the question, why? Why were they meeting daily? But that, back to Psalm 122. Why is this psalmist glad? Why, why are they glad when they said unto them, come let us go to the house of the Lord? Why were they glad to go to Jerusalem and climb that hill and go to Jerusalem? And this, this psalm refers to Jerusalem as, as a place that's compact together. And many scholars believe that it means it was so many people there. For, this, for, these, for these sacred assemblies that, that gathered three times a year, it was so many people, it, it was, they were compacted together. That's one, that's one understanding. But why? Why are they glad? Why should you be glad to come to church? Why should you be glad to come to the house of the Lord? Our understanding of the house of the Lord is a building like this. The building like this is the house of the Lord. Now, you know, the New Testament teaches us we're houses of God. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Us collectively, us, us people in whom the spirit of God dwells, we are the temples, the temple of God. So collectively, corporately, we compose the temple of God. The whole body of Christ composes one temple of the Holy Ghost. You as an individual, you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? 
So then the house of God, this, this building, 809 South Davis Drive, Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church, and other, other churches that are open in Christ's name are, are houses of the Lord. Why is this person glad to go to the house of the Lord? I asked y'all earlier in the worship experience, how many of y'all were glad? And some of y'all got the clapping. How many of y'all glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Why should anybody be glad at the mere mention of going to church? To where, where like, I think the psalmist is saying, Clark, man, when I go to the house of the Lord, I'm bringing gladness with me. Ain't no praise leader making me glad. Ain't nobody got to sing me happy. Ain't nobody got to preach me happy. I'm bringing gladness with me. I'm not, like, I'm not like some of them ones who sit there like they've been baptized in vinegar. I'm not sitting there like, like some of them people who act like God ain't done nothing for them. I'm not, you ain't got to ask me to say amen. You ain't got to tell me to put my hands together and give God no praise. I'm bringing gladness with me. Why? 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 I believe the reason why they're glad to assemble with God's people and worship, why they're glad to go to the house of the Lord is because worship means something to them. It means something to them to worship. They ain't just going to church. They're going, they're a, they are a worshiper. They don't just attend church. They are a worshiper. Worshiping God, worshiping Yahweh, worshiping Jehovah means something to them. Well, when the opportunity arises for them to, to, to go worship with other worshipers, they ain't going to be absent. They ain't got to check their work schedule. They ain't got to check to see if, they, they ain't got to check nothing. All they got to do is drop everything and make their way to Jerusalem and then make their way to the house of God. Because worship means something. It's very important. Because there's a lot of people in church, but worship doesn't really mean, it, it doesn't have the meaning it ought to have. And I wonder if some folk hit and miss with church attendance, some folk now, some folk hit and miss with church attendance because worshiping in the house of God with other worshipers doesn't mean as much as it should. It mean, Why are you so glad to worship in the house of the Lord? Because it means something to me. And there's so, we live in a society where there's so much stuff have lost their meaning. Life has lost its meaning, not to everyone, but to some, life has lost its meaning. That's part of the reason why there's such a big debate on abortion rights. That's part of, that's a, a, a big part of the reason life losing its meaning is part of the reason why people can go into schools and shoot up our babies. And teachers, staff, faculty, and everybody. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Life has lost its meaning. That's part of the reason why there's so much suicide. To, to be alive. God saying, thou shalt not kill. Why? Why? Why are we not to kill? Because life means something. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Life means something. But if life means nothing to you, you'll take someone's life. You'll take your own life. 
You lose your job, lose your marriage, feel like you're just lost and feel like you, there's no point in living and go kill a whole bunch of other folk who ain't got nothing to do with you. Going into grocery stores, killing people. Going into workplaces, killing people. Concerts, killing people. Yeah, going in church, killing people. So let me, let me, go, let me go here for a second. The house of God in sacred spaces have lost their meaning. Somebody can just come into a church and go to shooting. Somebody can go into a synagogue or a mosque and just start shooting. There was a time when there's certain things you, you just didn't do at church. Marriage has lost its meaning. Not to everyone, but to many, being married has lost its meaning. We can get divorced over some of the most, some of the most trivial things. Now, sometimes divorce, I'm going to say it, sometimes, sometimes divorce is your best option. And I say that because if any of my daughters came to me and said, Dad, Daddy, he's abusing me. I ain't going to tell them, well, baby, you know, you just need to forgive and pray. I'm going to say the same thing. Almost every daddy in here say, let him hit you one more time. <laughs> or better yet, I'm going to give me five hours. I'll be there. And I ain't coming empty handed. You bringing the Bible? No, baby, not that weapon. Not that weapon. Life, marriage has lost its meaning. Just get divorced. Just get divorced. Just, it's lost its meaning. Church can lose its meaning. Church, being, being a congregation, being part of a church family can lose its meaning. This morning, I hope I don't mess the cameras up with this. So this morning, I was metacrating on this message. And I got to thinking about the communion table. Now at church conference, I said, um, this stonework is too beautiful to hide it with our communion table. And I had, honestly, I had resolved, we really don't need it, and we don't. We ain't used it in two and a half years. The way we do communion now, an usher is gonna hand you a communion kit. An, an usher. Usher, gonna hand you. A communion kit, we pause, and we take communion together. Sips of water mean something, too. Excuse me. Uh, amen. So I had resolved, listen, we don't need the communion table in here. We don't use it. And I pose in an email, there's no biblical basis for a communion table. The way we do communion now, we pause, and uh, normally Elder Reagan or somebody, Minister Freeman, is going to lead you in serving communion. But you know, I got to thinking about that some more this morning. And every now and then, we may go back to the way we did it before with deacons and ministers serving you, or do something else to pause and take our time in that moment of celebrating the Lord's Supper so that it never loses its meaning. Jesus died for us. Taking of the bread and the wine has to mean something. 
And I've been telling y'all for years, that's why I don't have a certain set thing I say every first Sunday when, when I would lead us in communion. I, I, try to, I try to sense what the Spirit of God would have me to say in that moment so that we never get, so that it never becomes just a rote, routine, meaningless, Jesus died for us. That means something. And to commemorate that, there, there, there should be something where we pause and, and make that a thing. So I'm, I'm re-examining my own perspective on the communion table. Because we can do stuff in here and just be so accustomed to doing it. Where it loses meaning and significance and therefore impact. Amen. Worshiping at the Vision Center. My prayer is that it would mean something, that, that our being a part of a church family would have a greater meaning for all of us. That being connected in a day and time where so many people are battling loneliness, depression, anxiety, that are being connected to one another and coming to understand, better understand, better know one another would mean something because connections mean something. You connect with the wrong folk. Means something. When your child connects with the wrong folk. How many of y'all have seen that impact? When your child connect with the wrong somebody. Connections mean something. So when you connect to the, to the right people, good people, people who love Jesus. People who ain't perfect either. <laughs> it means something. Don't answer that call. It don't mean nothing. Uh, trust me, it don't mean nothing. <laughs> Amen. Then when they, ask, when they ask you why you didn't take the call, tell them, it ain't mean nothing. You ain't want nothing. Why, why are you glad when they said to you, let us go into the house of the Lord? Because worship means something. In their, in their context, in the Old Testament, a point of reference for them as they would come to worship God or as they talked about God or understood God. They would identify God as the God who brought them out of Egypt. He, he meant something to them because he brought them out of Egypt. He, he meant something. He meant something to them because he, he delivered their ancestors from Pharaoh and he, and he established David on the throne of, of a kingdom. He, he meant something to them because of what he had done for his ancestors. Amen. It's what he had done for them. How he how he how he chose them to be his own people. He to worship him meant something. I'm not going to pass up the opportunity. To gather with, the, with other chosen folk and worship him with them because, because of what he's done for me, what he's done for us. And I think we as a people, as black people, when we come together in the house of the Lord and we think about what he's done for us as a race of people. We ought to be glad. I began watching a little piece of a documentary yesterday. I couldn't watch the whole thing, but there's a documentary on Netflix about uh, the evolution of, of film. And it's written from a black perspective, the evolution of film to where, uh, to really appreciate black films being out now, I would, I would, I would, I would encourage everybody to watch that film. Um, but, but it talks about how, when it was just so rare to see a black face on screen, period, there were some people, 
Some people who would go to the movies, the movie theater, watch this, y'all, that they were allowed to go to, because there were so many movie theaters we weren't allowed to go to. And then by the time, you, there's, a, there's a clip of an interview with Martin Luther King uh, uh, in, in this film, and he's saying that most of the theaters that play the motion pictures, by the time they get new movies, they're two or three years old. Now, this is like the 60s. Some of y'all may remember. Movies came out. You, 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 they were segregated movie theaters. You, we, we had our movie theaters. They had theirs. Then if you saw somebody black on screen, they weren't the star. They weren't the hero. They're probably somebody's servants entertaining somebody. But then when you saw, when you saw Sidney Poitier. <laughs> Dorothy Dandridge, Harry Belafonte. Yeah, and Carmen Jones. And, and, and in the movie, they, in the documentary, they talk about how they couldn't stand to see a strong black man in a leading role who, who actually had lines. That's why he had to sing all of his lines in, in Carmen Jones. He sang it because they couldn't, they would, only let, they would only let Harry Belafonte go so far. So now you got a Wakanda forever coming out for three hours. That's just one instance in the entertainment industry of how far God has brought us as a people. I'm not even going to mention a black president, a black vice president. Some of y'all have held or hold positions in civil service or education that was somebody's dream years ago. And in and, and the documentary, they were talking about how some people, some black people went to movie theaters and, and the movies that they saw and the people they saw on screen, it helped them to dream. Helped them to dream. But look how far God has brought us as a people. Worshiping God for us has got to mean something. He's brought us too far as a people. Well, we fought to have the, the right to vote. Now we got to beg folk to go out and vote. How you fight and die for the right to vote only to come a couple of generations later. Now you got to beg folk to go vote. Worshiping God for us ought mean something, not only because of where he's brought us from as a race of people, but because of where he's brought us from as, a re as it relates to sin. God has brought us out of sin. If you're born again, God, by the blood of Jesus and your faith in his redemptive work on the cross has delivered you from sin. And I wonder how many of us ain't the same joker who came to Jesus God has brought us from a mighty long way as it relates to our character, as it relates to our mindset, as it relates to our worship. And maybe that's why some of us are glad to come to church because it deepens and intensifies my worship. The more I come to church, the more I hang out with the people of God, the more I fall in love with Jesus. The more I want to be like him. Coming to the sacred assembly helps me to become more like him. It means something to me. It's got to mean. It's got to mean something. It's got to mean much more than your songs being sung. It's got to mean more than, than your favorite preacher preaching. It's got to mean more. It's got to mean more than, than any of this other stuff that we can get caught up in. It's got to mean more than a communion table. It's got to mean more than carpets and pew coverings. It's got to mean more than that. 
It's got to be something that when, when I get there and I get with the people of God, he, he does something for me. And even if I'm like some other people and I leave and I have to testify, uh, I didn't really get anything out the service today. Well, really, when you think about it, this ain't for you to get something out of it. It's for you to bring something to it. It's what you're going to give God. There's another scripture. I can't show it to you now because I can't remember it. There's another scripture where, it, where, where God mandates when you, come with your, when, you, when you come to the assembly, don't come empty-handed. Don't come. God said, don't you come before me empty-handed. Don't come before me empty-handed. Why should we be glad to participate in the sacred assembly? And it won't mean anything to you. It won't make you glad if God himself and who he is and what he's done for you, if it means nothing to you. And worshiping God ought mean something to you because you mean something to him. I don't think y'all heard what I said. I said, you mean something to him. He thought you were worth saving. He thought you were worth dying. He thought you were worth sacrificing his life. You mean something to God. I need somebody, anybody who's ever felt like you were worthless. Anybody have people treat you like you didn't matter. Anybody ever treat you like you didn't mean anything. You didn't have anything to bring. You didn't have any money. You didn't have any special skills. Didn't have any special talent. People made you feel like you ain't had nothing. Wasn't about nothing. But God made you, made it clear. You mean something to him. Your life means something to him. Your soul means something to him. Your destiny means something to him. Your tears mean something to him. Your weaknesses mean something to him. Your pain means something to him. That's why I'm glad. Every opportunity I get to, to worship him with other folk. Other folk who've been redeemed, other folk who've been delivered, other folk who've been set free. If I could just worship him with some other folk. Other folk who's struggling, other folk who's trying to figure things out, other folk who want to become more, other folk who want to put some stuff behind them, other folk who want to lay aside weight and sin. And every time we come before the presence of God with the people of God, it ought to mean something to us. He, he ought to mean something to us because you mean something to him. You mean something to him. You mean something to him. I know you messed up, but you mean something to him. I know you can't get off those drugs, but you mean something to him. I know you can't leave the stuff alone, but you mean something to him. I know he hasn't taken the taste out of your mouth yet, but you mean something to him. I know about your struggles. I know you're struggling with some stuff that you can't confess in church, but you mean something to him. You mean something. You mean something. Jesus' nails in his hands tell me you mean something. His crown on his head tell me you mean something. The blood that he shed says you mean something. You mean something. You mean something. And the church means something. As I've told you on numerous occasions and I'm done with this. The church means something. The only thing. Jesus is coming back to get when he comes back is his church. The only thing. The only thing. 
So whatever else is getting your time and energy, whatever else is getting your money, whatever else is getting your attention, whatever else you're involved in, praise God. But as you compare that to the only thing Jesus is coming back to get, the only thing, his church. So you all caught up in all this other stuff. Got time for all this other stuff. Ain't got a check for some, some of these other people in these other contexts. Ask you about something, you're there. You ain't got a check. You ain't got to wait and see. You're there. When it comes to the house of the Lord, got a check. Got to wait and see. Got to holler back at me. When the only thing Jesus is coming back to get is his church. Because his church means something to him. We are his bride. We need to be careful how we treat it. We need to be careful how we talk about it. Amen. So I'm leaving you with this. Although. There's no mandate in scripture for the people of God to assemble in a sacred assembly on a weekly basis. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. This, this, shouldn't, this can't be your last priority. Assembling with the people of God in the presence of God in the house of God. The God whom we worship has to mean enough to you. We're coming before his presence with his people. It's because he's, he, he's worth, he deserves it. He deserves it. If I get something out the service, amen, but I came to give him something. And I think if I give him what he, if I give him what I ought to give him, he ain't going to leave me hanging. Are you ready to worship? If worship means something to you, then your answer will be, yeah. Because he died for me. He kept me. He's blessing me. He's maturing me. He's opening doors for me, making ways. All of that stuff, all that is, is wonderful, but, but he thought enough of me to die for me. And one day, he's coming back for me. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.